you know, you have to know who your audience is. Uh, and sometimes that's hard to tell, but you should have an idea who you're talking to. And then if you can go to where they are. So I'm always looking at meetup.com and Facebook groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I can go just jump into where my people are and not to go there and go, Hey, come listen to my podcast. It's go there and listen to what they're saying, what they're talking about, because they're going to give me ideas of what to talk about on my show or maybe give me insights if I'm writing fiction as to, Ooh, that would be an interesting to work that into my story or things like that. But listen, and then interact with them, basically make friends because then when you have brought value to the conversation and somebody says, Hey, do you know, blah, blah, blah. And you go, Oh yeah, I talked about that on episode 23. Here's a link. Now they're more than likely to go listen to that because they know that you are not an idiot. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. And welcome to the Storytellers Network. I am your host, Dan Moyle, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Uh, today's episode, I talk with one of the godfathers of podcasting. Uh, he's produced more than 600 episodes of School of Podcasting, the show. He co-hosts Ask the Podcast Coach and has many other shows. This guy does not sleep, and he just records constantly, I think. Uh, he's been a, a guest on a, a few shows as well. Um, he will be in the podcast hall of fame one of these days. We talk about that coming up on the, on the episode. Uh, he also works for one of the biggest companies in the podcast world, Libsyn. We talk a little bit, a little bit about that as well. So today I am humbled to welcome Dave Jackson to the storytellers network as she, as he shares his storytelling craft, his, uh, his chosen medium of podcasting, his successes, his stumbles. In other words, his story just for you. Now, before we get into today's conversation, just a reminder, find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, how to contact us, and for other resources to help you tell your story. You can also connect with us on Facebook and all that other good stuff there as well. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving us a review over an Apple podcast. It helps us reach new storytellers. Now, without further ado, let's get to the stories. So welcome, Dave, to the show, the Storytellers Network, man. I'm, I'm, uh, as I said in my intro, I'm humbled, but I'm excited to have you here. And, and I know you're a humble guy, so you're not gonna like rub it in my face that you've been doing this for so many years. But, uh, but thanks for being here, man. <laughs> Dan, thanks for having me. This should be fun. Absolutely. So uh, I like to, I like to kind of show everybody who's listening um, where that you don't have to be in like a metropolis somewhere or a Mecca somewhere to do what we do as storytellers, especially podcasters now as I'm in season two. So where are you geographically? I'm in the lovely metropolis of Akron, Ohio, uh, home of LeBron James and Devo. For those of you that remember Whip It from the 80s. I do. Uh, I actually started podcasting in the, in the, in the uh, when I first started, I was in Mogador, Ohio, which means I was out with the cows out in the middle of nowhere. So. <laughs> and were your first podcast very moving? I'm sorry, I had to. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. And so when, when was that then you, you, uh, talk about starting off podcasting. That was quite a while ago. Yeah, it was back in 2005. So where I sat around for three years telling people, no, you don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. It was, uh, it was painful. Yeah. To say the least. <laughs> and what, and what drove you to that? I mean, what, what kind of got in your head of, I, I just want to start podcasting. I was doing a newsletter and a friend of mine was also into kind of like internet marketing and that whole nine yards. And he just, he went to this big, huge event and he's like, okay, I've come back. I've seen the future. And I, at the time, which again, dates myself, I had missed the whole MySpace boat. Hmm. So MySpace had already left. He goes, that's all right. I got the next big thing. I'm like, what is it? And he's like podcasting. And I'm like, what's a podcasting? And I Googled it and there was one and a half pages of results. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so I pieces part one together. And when I, threw up my MP3 file and then saw it come down in this really old archaic software. 
because uh, this is pre-iTunes. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get it. And so I was like, I want to do one of these. And I, I was already creating content via the newsletter, which is basically taking my newsletter and putting it out as an audio format. Yeah. So do you consider yourself a storyteller with all of that that was going on? It, it is. It's one of those things that's kind of funny because I asked somebody once, like, why do you listen to my show? And they said, I just like the way you, you tell a story. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's because I try to, a lot of my show is how to, but I try to use stories to make a point. And that way they not only learn, but they get to know me. And the more they get to know me, hopefully the more they, you know, get to like me, things like that. So mm-hmm. when I was uh, talking about how you have to have passion for a podcast, uh, I had a stepson who was 16 and he had one thing on his mind and that was getting his license. <laughs> and so I said, you need the, you need the passion of a 16 year old stepson who needs his license when you start. And so that made people giggle and laugh. And so anything like that I can use to illustrate a point always just stopped it from being boring, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and, and so uh, season two is about podcasters. You are, as I said, one of the godfathers of podcasting, I think. And, uh, but it's not just podcasts. I mean, you, you mentioned a newsletter, um, uh, you know, we're, we're friends on Facebook. So I see your Facebook lives. I mean, you generate that content. Is that just something that's in you innately or, or, or where does that come from? I, I think so. I, I remember I was in sixth grade and I, uh, I was at my church and I wrote a poem and it started off something like I read my Bible in the bathroom. And at the time that was like kind of controversial, (laughs) I guess, whatever the fact. Um, And I remember watching people read that and laughing out loud. They're like, I can't believe this kid just said that. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. If you can be like right on the borderline of controversial, make a point and make people laugh. And that's when I went, uh, and my mom was just cute. My mom was like the, the queen of puns and in humor and, and laughing. So that's, I think, really what kind of gave me the bug. And then uh, just through the years, I fell into training my background. I was actually a corporate trainer for 20 years and taught a lot of Microsoft and QuickBooks and time management. And my favorite teacher in uh, college would come in and literally blow off the first 10 minutes of class and just make fun of people and crack jokes. And, but then you knew that when it was time for him to get to the content, you had to like really pay attention. And I always told him, I said, man, you do kind of like edutainment. It's like, it's half edu, you know, education, half entertainment. So when I then became a trainer, I was always trying to to come up with jokes or something like that. So especially if you're teaching Excel, I mean, that's number crunching, that's just painful. So if I could find a way to, um, you know, hey, let's uh, let's add these three columns. The first person is Larry, the second one is Curly, and the third one's Mo. <laughs> and this is, makes people giggle. So anything I could do, I think again to build a story around, even if it's crunching numbers, uh, just to make it more entertaining. So, so I, I hear you kind of say that storytelling and teaching are very connected. Um, is that kind of, so? That's still what you do then with podcasts, then too, huh? Yeah, that's basically just any way I can. Because to me, when I see somebody's light bulb, I always say, when I see the light bulb come on and they go, oh, that's like, oh, okay, that's, that scratches my itch like nobody's, you know, can. Mm-hmm. And so if I can do that in an entertaining way, again, whether it's using stories or something of that nature, that's to me like the best of both worlds. And I, I think stories, uh, I, I got that. I watched my niece who is like spooky smart. I graduated from high school early because she's just brilliant. But she was watching, I think it was Roger Rabbit teaches reading or something like that when she was like two or three, like ridiculously, really tiny. And she's just in there having a blast and laughing. And we're like, what's she playing with? Oh, she's doing a reading game. And I went, hmm, if you can make teaching fun, people don't realize that they're learning stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my whole goal. I was like, okay, I need to make learning stuff fun. So I try to you know, break it up. On occasion, I'll throw in a, a fake commercial or something just to, uh, you know, keep people on their toes. Yeah. So with all these different podcasts that you do with the, the Facebook lives and with the presentations, I mean, I've, I've seen you out in the world too, you know, going to like social media marketing world, or other places, um, wherever you're telling a story, how, whatever the medium is, what is it in addition to teaching maybe, or maybe it is the teaching part of it. What is it that you love about storytelling so much? I think for me, it, it kind of is the teaching thing. Storytelling takes somebody from point A and they end up at point B. And mm-hmm. so hopefully 
whether you've inspired them to, to try something that they didn't think they were going to do, or now they have the, the knowledge to try something they didn't want to do, or, or people, I think, forget that there are times that somebody's driving home from work. They've had the world's worst day. They just, they're dying to kick the dog the minute they get home or whatever. And you can somehow tell them a story and they escape their mind for a second and they're completely lost in whatever you're saying. And when that story's over, hopefully they're in a better place or, or something. And I think that's highly underrated, the fact that you can make somebody's day better with a story. And so I think that's half the fun of it. I mean, that's, I love to go to the movies and half the fun of the movies is you kind of go to escape your, your life for mm. an hour and a half and eat really bad overpriced popcorn and, <laughs> and drink gallons of sugar. <laughs> gallons and gallons of sugar. Oh yeah. man. The frozen one's my favorite, but anyway. <laughs> um, and, and really, I mean, it's funny cause that, that human connection, that, that able, that ability to connect and yet escape is such a powerful part of storytelling, whether it's edutainment, as you mentioned, or it's true entertainment. It's so powerful. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing when you get to meet people face to face that you've helped. That's always it's, it's cool. And it's also at times a little bizarre. I had a guy uh, about two months ago, stop in. He came into Akron. It's like, Oh dude, let's go get some pizza. And he quoted something I said 13 years ago. And he's like, remember this? And I'm like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, let alone what I said 13 years ago. Wow. And he's like, it was this whole thing about uh, the different levels of mastery where you're clueless and you're, you're trying. And then there's, you're still not very good, but you have, at least you know that you're not good. And then there's, you're okay, but you're still trying. And then there's actual mastery. And he said, I now teach in college. And he goes, I start off like at the beginning of the semester, I start off the semester with that. I'm like, do you quote my podcast? Do you at least give me credit? You know, <laughs> send so, new listeners. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's, you know, you don't know. It, I always tell people, be careful with this microphone because it's loaded and you can really do uh, some really interesting thing. I had a guy um, email me once and uh, his best friend had died. He lost his job and he thought he had cancer. And he decided he was going to end his life on October 31st, 2017, because that's his favorite day of the year is Halloween. Mm. And he just said, you know what? I'm done. I've had it. And he said, but I found your podcast and I heard you say where podcasting can, can kind of give you a new purpose. And so I decided to start one and I'm just here to tell you, I don't want to kill myself. anymore." And I was like, it's hard to make me speechless, but I, I read that email and was like, whoa. Wow. And then what was cool was he left his phone number. So I called him on Halloween. And he oh, was man. like, he's like, this is not Dave Jackson. I'm like, it's Dave Jackson, but I'm just making sure you're still on the planet. He's like, oh yeah. We're, we're. And he knew he like, look, I got, you know, there are things I need to work through, you know, he's like, but I don't want to kill myself anymore. Uh, that's, that's cool. Man, that brought a big old lump in my throat, Dave. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I just, I guess, I mean, I just kind of want to sit on that for a second. That's amazing. I, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I've been thinking about this the last week or so, a couple different interactions in my, in my, in my real life. Um, you know, about the, the power of what you do and what you say can change someone's life without even, without even meaning to in such a powerful way. You know, I, I went to, a, um, I had a funeral two weeks ago and then a visitation last week, you know, different folks in my life. And each one reminded me of, of how you can do that. And I even had someone come up to me and I'm, I'm, I'm nobody in the world and I'm okay with that. Um, but I have people that follow me on Facebook and, and like what I do. And I, and I try to give back to the world. And, and one of the, one of the little stupidest things that I've ever done is my, my youngest daughter, uh, Zoe, I would, I would stop her and just yell her name with my video camera on kind of like bat dad does be familiar at all. Okay, um, yeah. And, uh, and she would throw pills at me or whatever. And, and she ended up not liking it. She doesn't want to be recorded. So I quit doing it. But so many people would come to me and say, I love that. That brings me so much joy. And, and I had that at the visitation. Somebody came up and said, Oh, you're Dan, you knew Steven and you do the Zoe thing with the kid. And it was awesome. It's just cool. Hmm. Yeah. And he's back. Oh, did you lose some of that? You were frozen. Yes. Oh, I love it. I've got pretty good internet, but you just never know. Let's say I'm sitting here looking like how many tabs do I have open? I think I've closed pretty much everything I need to close. Yeah. Mine too. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so yeah, what what you do and say can really affect people, and you just never know when so, when somebody says that it's so powerful when they when they tell you that you've affected them. I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, I had a weird thing. I, I do. I started a weight loss show because I had gained, you know, some weight. I needed to lose it. 
And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do what I did last time. It was pretty easy to lose 20 pounds and I'll document it this time and that'll inspire people to lose weight. Well, that was 20 years ago and doing the same thing did not work. And so I've been really struggling with my weight. And I said, uh, the one time I was talking about people that need to lose over 100 pounds, I'm like, that can be really overwhelming. And uh, I said, don't think about losing 100 pounds. Think about losing 10 pounds because we can all probably lose 10 pounds. I said, and then just do it 10 times. And I just threw it out there. And like literally like nine months later, somebody emails me and goes, hey, Dave, I did it. And I go, what'd you do? And they're like, I lost 100 pounds. I did. I lost 10 pounds 10 times. And I was like, really? Because I didn't. I didn't lose any. You know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's the microphone's kind of, uh, it's powerful. You got to be careful with it. Yeah. And, and so why did you choose podcasting as a medium? Do you think other than it was the next big thing, but is there something in this that you just kind of found really moves you personally? For me, I'm a fairly sarcastic person and it's hard to be sarcastic in print. You can mm-hmm. put it in italics. You can put it in bold. But it's just the, the tone of voice, I think, is just a whole lot better. And uh, there are less typos in podcasting than there are. <laughs> so yeah. that was the other one. I talk much better than I type. And so I think that was the, 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 the first one. And then the one that really hooked me that I went, oh, oh we've got a problem here. I'm, I'm now stuck, <laughs> is the first piece of uh, feedback I got, or first voicemail, I should say, was from a guy in Nuremberg, Germany. And I went, what? And I just remember his name was Michael Van Lahr. I was like, hello, Dave, this is Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg. And I literally about fell out of my chair. I was like, did he just say Germany? I'm like, hold on. And, hello, Dave, this is Michael Van Lahr. Just I, over and over. Hello, Dave, this is my, I was like, I can't believe some guy on the other side of the planet is listening to me and he likes my stuff. Right. And that's when I was like, hmm. And, I, and if you have a voicemail line or something like that, and you can kind of have this weird time-shifted conversation with your audience, it's, it's amazing. And I had somebody once he used to do a sled dog podcasting in Michigan. And he said, I actually talk to you more than I do my friends because I will leave you a message. You'll respond. I'll leave you another message and you respond. He goes, I have a best friend that lives right down the street. He goes, I talked to him maybe twice a month. He goes, I'm talking to you like three times a week. (laughs) So it's amazing. That's awesome. So sled dog podcast out of Michigan, huh? I'll have to look that one up. That's what he said. He said, if he goes, unless you live in Michigan or Alaska, he goes, you're not listening to my show. So that's funny. Well, I'm in Michigan, so I'll have to Uh, check it out. (laughs) I'm in Southern Michigan. (laughs) Tim Dooley. All right, cool. See, that's what I love about this whole podcast world too, is it's, it's small enough, but big enough. Like it's just, it's in that, to me, almost like this magic space of great storytellers, but we're so accessible and it's just like, here we are doing what we love and yeah, we're happy to talk. So yeah, there's a, there's an energy. I don't know if it's around just all creative people, but when I go to these events, I feel like I'm 20 cause I'm staying up till like two in some cases three in the morning. And I mean, if I'm at home, I'm in bed by, you know, midnight, one o'clock tops, but because you're around all these people and they're all, I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden I'm just not tired and we're all trading stories and things like that. And that's what I always find amazing. And it was weird because at uh, PodFest in Orlando, the day after there was like the, the patio was empty. It was me and like two people. And we're both like, is it just me? Or like, there's just the energy's gone. You know? So it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, um, that podcasting is a great medium for introverts at all? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to paraphrase Howard Stern. He said he got into radio uh, because he loves people, but he hates people. <laughs> and he said, it's the best way that you can impact an audience without actually having to be in front of an audience. And so absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, uh, I'm not now and I've, I obviously have <laughs> I've outgrown it, but I was growing up. I got fired from my very first job as a grocery bagger because I was so shy. I would not talk to the customers. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a requirement. And my teacher at the time said, uh, basically said, you need to uh, act the way you want to be. And someday you will be the way you act, which is better known as fake it till you make it. <laughs> and, um, and so I did, and I've slowly come out of my shell. But uh, yeah, I think it's a great way. In fact, I see people, it's fun to listen to people that that, that first episode, they, there's just not a lot of um, confidence in their talking and then you listen in like episode 80 they're like hey welcome to the show and today we're gonna you can just hear the difference so that's always kind of fun 
And, and I asked that because I, I think about the energy, what you said a minute ago about the energy in the room and it is, it is full of energy. And even as an extreme extrovert, man, I'd walk away from those meetings and those days just exhausted because there's so much energy in people. And so I know that there were introverts in that room too. Um, one of the guys I met at PodFest, uh, Rhett, was just an incredible guy, but he's an, he's an introvert. And, um, and, and, but he loves doing podcasts because of that. So I just, yeah, I think it's incredible. I, I love the mix of live and recorded and all this other stuff that we do with this. So, um, so, so you work with Libsyn now. So how did you go from, mm-hmm. you know, creating podcasts to working for this giant, not giant, but the, one of the big players in the world, was that a pretty easy thing to make happen or like, how did that work? It, it was really an interesting story because of my background working in different uh, corporate worlds, I have been um, downsized, as they say, <laughs> a couple of times. And it's usually where, for whatever reason, they hire sales guys that don't know how to sell training. So instead of ditching the guys that can't sell, they downsize the training department. So my favorite is, my favorite saying, you always hear like, you're one of our favorite trainers. That's why we really hate to say this. And so I've heard that three times. And it usually happens about every five to seven years. So the last time it happened, I was like, okay, I've already got this school of podcasting thing. Um, I could try to really make that my full-time job, but I really like having a steady paycheck. I'm just, I'm not, you know, I, some people are like, oh, you should do what you love. I'm like, yeah, I like steady paychecks. I like health insurance, you know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, where could I work it, that I could look my friends in the eye and say, this is the best place to, to host your stuff. And I'm like, that would be Libsyn. Hmm. And so I've known Rob Walsh for probably 10 years. Um, there was a, an event once in Pittsburgh, PodCamp Pittsburgh, and I went to that, met a lot of the crew, and they were really cool. And I actually asked them, because I kind of saw the writing on the wall. When you go from five trainers down to three trainers down to two, you're kind of like, hmm. And I asked them, I said, uh, you know, do you guys ever hire like tech support or people like that? And they're like, well, yeah, we're, we're kind of growing. We're thinking about it. And they're like, why would you work for Lips? And I'm like, I would love to work for Lips. And they're like, oh, man, we would love to have you. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> so I'm literally, I, I get let go of my job. And I, as I'm walking to my car with the, the box in hand, uh, I called Rob Walsh and I said, now this could be a really weird conversation. And if you say no, we're cool. And I go, but I got good news and bad news. He's like, what's the bad news? And I'm like, I just lost my job. He goes, what's the good news? And I'm like, I'm available to work for you, buddy. <laughs> and uh, he said, what are you doing the rest of the day? And I go, literally just lost my job, probably laundry, you know? And uh, <laughs> he said, all right, let me see if I can make some phone calls. And 20 minutes later, I'm on the phone with the, uh, the president of Lipson and, uh, couple weeks after that, I, I actually started. So it was, uh, again, kind of built on a relationship that happened from a podcast. Uh, the fact that through my podcast, I was kind of able to flex my, you know, my expertise, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So they kind of knew what they were getting. And uh, it's been awesome. It, the only thing that was weird is working from home takes a little getting used to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't mind the five foot commute to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm actually making a little more money than I did when I was a teacher. And I now uh, get paid to go to different events. So uh, my life doesn't suck compared to where before I was actually laughing. I was uh, looking at a, like an old Facebook post. You know, they're like, here's what you were doing three years ago. And I was like, I have like three people in my class that didn't even speak English. And then they had different levels of of understanding of the software. It was just this complete, um, designed class that was just designed to fail. And I was like, Oh, I don't miss those days. So, but that's how that happened. Just, uh, just, you know, that's cool. being able to be out in the space and knowing the right people and being in the right place at the right time. Relationships, right? That's what it comes that's down it. to. Yeah. yeah. And now my life doesn't suck. I like that one. That's tweetable. That's uh, it. <laughs> so getting back to storytelling a little bit, Dave, what, uh, if, if teaching is what you love about storytelling, um, what, what's a challenge with storytelling on the other side of that? I think you have to know your audience Hmm. because that is going to dictate, like if I, uh, if I go back to teaching, if I had a a classroom of, of women in their like forties and fifties, I could make all sorts of Andy Griffith references and (laughs) three stooges and all that. And they, they would get all my jokes. Whereas if I had a bunch of millennials, they're like, what? They didn't get it. So I think sometimes knowing your audience uh, can really, you know, enhance your storytelling because you kind of know what's going to work, or at least you have an idea of what's going to work, what's not going to work. That's probably the biggest one I think of. And then just um, 
having a mixed bag. What happens if you have a millennial and somebody in the back who's 76? You're like, hmm, how do I get something that's going to, you know, going to be able to tie into, because uh, it's, it's one thing to have, you know, knowledge and data and whatever it is you're doing, but you also want to, something I can tie in via the emotional side. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to tie, you know, World War II into, you know, Bieber or, <laughs> or something. <laughs> so that's, that could be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, you, you kind of talked a little bit about teaching right there and like live events. Um, we've we're talking about podcasting, obviously, social media, all this. How does different media out there in the world affect the storytelling, the, the ancient art of storytelling? How is that affected by all this different media we have in front of us now? Well, with podcasting, the cool thing about it is if you mess up, you can just fix it in the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the cool thing. And then you can also do things. Uh, I'm actually working on an episode uh, right now. Uh, for I do another podcast called Building a Better Dave, and I'm talking about um, a, a time when I went to an amusement park with my dad, and it was hilarious because uh, as we go over the first hill in this roller coaster, it is it comes to my attention that my bar is not locked, and I'm flying out of the seat. My dad is laughing hysterically and grabbing my shirt and pulling me back into the roller coaster, and I'm literally thinking I'm going to die. And he's laughing hysterically through the whole thing. So I could tell that story and that's fine, but I can now mix in sounds of, of roller coaster and kind of throw some gas on that theater of the mind and really get people to feel like they're there. Cause there's some really cool sound effects and things like that. Uh, and so that's, I think something that podcasting does and you'll hear things like, um, you know, a lot of the NPR shows, uh, S town and things like that, where the guy is literally with, he's recording with his phone or whatever. And it's that ambiance that makes people feel like they're right there with you. Uh, I, on my weight loss show, I used to go out with just a portable recorder and I'm like, look, I don't have time to walk today and record a podcast. So I'm going to walk and record my podcast. And my audience was like, Oh, this is cool. I feel like I'm right there. And they hear the cars driving by and they hear me almost, you know, mess my pants when a dog comes barking at me and things <laughs> like that. So I think that's one advantage of, of audio. And it is the theater of the mind. The, the funny thing is, is when I meet somebody who's listened to my show, uh, probably one of the weirdest things I've ever heard is, oh, wow, you sounded shorter. And I'm like, how do you sound short? I'm like, aside from Munchkin land or something with a voice alteration, I'm like, how do you sound short? So, uh, but I think that's probably one of the biggies. You get the, to inflate that theater of the mind. Yeah. Um, when, when you're planning out how you tell that story, um, how much kind of planning do you think goes into that kind of thing where you're thinking about sound effects, you're thinking about the ambiance of it, or is it more, are we more inclined to kind of just do what feels right or, or like pick up the pieces later or do you go through pre-production? I actually, in some cases I might think, okay, this would be cool to like, this lends itself to, to sound effects. The first thing I always do is, okay, is this going to make somebody laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain? Cause if it's not doing one of those, don't turn on the mic. Uh, that's, that's the big thing. And then kind of from there, if it's something that I'm, you know, it's a, a life story that's going to make people giggle or whatever, then I kind of look at the story. Like, is there a story arc here? And actually try to think of it as like, okay, what could enhance this? I don't want to lie, obviously, but, and, and I think that's a big thing is keeping it real. But is there something here that I could bring in that might uh, enhance the story? Is there a better word I could use here uh, that will, again, throw fire on the theater of the mind and things of that nature. So it's a, a matter, I don't, sometimes I just hit record and, and let it go. And people enjoy that because it's so real. But on the other hand, if I think, oh, this is a really cool story, I'll take a second to step back and go, okay, this is a good story. I think this is going to make people laugh and think, but what can I do here to enhance it? Yeah. Um, you've got so much content that you're doing, uh, whether it's like the podcast you just mentioned, um, Facebook live, you know, when you, you just want to hit that mic and start it, where does all that inspiration come from for you? Hmm, that's a great question. I mean, early, my early influences was a guy named Dave Barry. Hmm. Uh, he used to write a, a article in the parade magazine that would come in Sunday. So Sunday, everybody's like scrambling. You get the comics, dad gets the sports, whatever. I would grab the parade. And cause he was just sarcastic as I'll get out. Um, so he was probably one of my biggest influences. I, I think what inspires it is I will do like, I didn't used to do a lot of Facebook live and I just threw it on one day and was making fun of Dr. Phil. 
because he says brilliant things like, you know, uh, productive people do things. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why is that brilliant? But I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? But he makes a point. Productive people do do things. And, and I was talking about how I was using different to-do lists and things like that to get focused. And it was maybe two or three minutes. In fact, I have people say, your Facebook lives are too short because by the time I get the notification and get on, you're gone. And I'm like, what? Well, you know, I, I get on, I say what I have to say, and then I get out. And I wouldn't do those except I had people go, I'm really liking these. Do more of these. So that kind of, because you don't know if it's any good until you throw it out there. There's a, a great book by Kevin Hart called something like, you can't make this stuff up. And Kevin Hart is a uh, comedian and you, man, you want to talk about a great story. That book is phenomenal. Just the, the hardships he's gone through and things like that. And he says, you can't practice comedy in the basement. You can practice the words coming out of your mouth, but you don't know if it's any good until you get in front of an audience. And I was like, hmm. And anytime he had a, uh, any kind of setback and he had some, I mean, he literally just got just kicked in the face sometimes by the entertainment industry. He was, his attitude was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to be so funny that you will not be able to ignore me. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again. So uh, I think that's part of it. Just, just when you get kind of that, you know, that first round of applause, you know, that you're like, Hey, they actually like my stuff. I'm like, uh, maybe I should do more. <laughs> right. So what, if you could think about all the different stories either that you've told or you've read or you've heard or whatever it is, do you have a favorite story out there in the world right now? The one that I go back to and when I listen to it, I go, wow, that's that a, cause it was, uh, I call it accidental intimacy. And this is where you're talking about things that you don't normally go up to people and go, hi, my uncle was murdered. And you're like, but they're talking about it on a podcast. And so there's a show uh, the guy named, uh, I should say, Hall of Fame podcaster, Dan Class does a show called The Bitterest Pill, and he has an episode called Massive Murder, and it's about, it's the behind the scenes of what happens when somebody goes in, uh, for lack of a better phrase, no offense to postal workers, but they go postal and shoot up the place, and one of those people was his uncle, and so he's talking about, you know, walking his mom, who lost her brother, into a funeral, and you've got a camera in your face. And it's just, you know, the fact that uh, his, his, forget what his uncle's name was, but it was different than his actual name. Like he had a nickname or something like that. Hmm. And so he, it's just, it's really, it's real. It's, it's just incredibly intimate. And I actually had an actual, people talk about driveway moments where if a story is good enough, when you get home, you will sit in the driveway and not go in the house. And I actually had a legitimate driveway moment i got home and i'm like i'm i'm so not getting out of the car until the story is over yeah I, I love it when that happens when you've stopped everything stops yeah and you just focus you know and, and the nice thing i think anyway about podcasting especially as in season two as we're talking to all these podcasters you can as a consumer you can do more than one thing when you have a podcast right and you're listening yeah you know you can walk you can drive you can go for a run you can do dishes you can do something and still be able to focus on it where i can't watch a video and drive. Right. At least I hope not. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But then, I can't, but then read, I can't read your blog and drive. Right. But if you turn that blog into a podcast, now I can listen to it on the, you know, to me, it's weird working from home. One of the things I miss is the drive to work. Hmm. And so if I get to drive, like I'm going to be driving to Nashville, which is about seven hours, I'm ecstatic <laughs> because that's seven hours of uninterrupted podcasting time that I can just sit back and, and chill and listen. Uh, podcast geeking. I love it. So <laughs> how many shows do you listen to typically? If I pull up my phone right now, <laughs> it says I have 130 episodes. Yeah. So I am probably subscribed. I'm subscribed to like every podcast about podcasting, but I also listen to like marketing shows. Um, I have some church stuff. I have some health stuff. Uh, I have some shows about music. And so it's kind of all over the place. Any audio dramas in there? Do you like fiction? Um, you know what? And here's why, I guess. I, like, I loved S-Town. I thought S-Town was great. I liked Serial. Um, usually, fiction requires time to set up the, the plot mm -hmm. and the, the person and things like that. And I'm too impatient. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I need that or I need something out of the gate to, to grab me so that I then care about the character. But I listened to one and it was like, 40 minutes of 
you know, great sound effects and people walking around, but I'm kind of like, okay, I still don't know what's going on. Why do I care about this person? And I'm like, okay, and eject. So maybe I just haven't found the right one yet, but I know there's uh, in terms of listener loyalty, I went to a thing in Seattle called PodCon and there are people dressing up like their favorite characters. Yeah. And I went, Oh, this is, this is a whole new level of listener loyalty here. And, you know, welcome to night bill and all these other ones that are going on. And uh, that's when I went, maybe I need to give these uh, a listen to. And isn't it funny that they're dressing up like the characters that we listen to? How do you like the description? Like it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. That is true. I didn't even even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're going to, you know, like, like a comic con, right? Right. It's a listening thing. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, So, so whether, whether you're creating those audio dramas or whether you're um, creating a podcast of some other kind uh, or just a storyteller in general, I guess, as the storytellers network listeners uh, may be in the noisy world out there was so much great stuff. How are we supposed to get out there and get new um, consumers of our, of our stories? I think the the biggest one is, and it kind of starts with your story. You know, you have to know who your audience is. Uh, and sometimes that's hard to tell, but you should have an idea who you're talking to. And then if you can go to where they are. So I'm always looking at meetup.com and Facebook groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I can go just jump into where my people are and not to go there and go, Hey, come listen to my podcast. It's go there and listen to what they're saying, what they're talking about, because they're going to give me ideas of what to talk about on my show, or maybe give me insights if I'm writing fiction as to, Ooh, that would be an interesting to work that into my story or things like that. But listen, and then interact with them, basically make friends. Because then when you have brought value to the conversation, and somebody says, hey, do you know blah, blah, blah? And you go, oh, yeah, I talked about that on episode 23. Here's a link. Now they're more than likely to go listen to that because they know that you are not an idiot. Hmm. And so they'll go listen to that. The bad news is that's getting one listener at a time. And we are all looking for that giant, to me, I picture like a six foot tall, giant gold switch that you just flip it up and 10,000 downloads come from the heavens. Uh, but I have yet to find that yet. So, but that's really, you know, make a podcast, make a blog, whatever your content is, tell a story that inspires somebody to tell somebody else. And so, so kind of what I hear you say there too, then see if this kind of makes an active listening here, right? Um, yeah. Listen to your audience, build relationships, bring value and be patient, right? That's it. That, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, a, it's the patience is, you know, I, I want some patience and I want some now. <laughs> is basically how that works. And uh, that's where um, there's a book by this radio guru named Valerie Geller. And in it, she talks about building an audience on the radio. And she said, typically building an audience takes about three years. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We want it like in three weeks, maybe three months tops. <laughs> three years, not going to happen. Right. Uh, but I don't know if that's true, but it's, it's I, I am starting to see people that are using their podcast for a business that a lot of times when they really start crushing it, Mike, how long have you been doing this? Three years. How long have you been doing this? Three years, two and a half years. And I'm like, Hmm, okay. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so let's say uh, I have a, let's say I have a very unique story, um, a, a small niche audience I want to reach. Is it still worth it to start a podcast? Do you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite, one of my favorite niche stories was um, Kathy Kelly loves Disney and she had a son with special needs. And so she started a podcast called special podcast or special mouse. And it was all about taking people with special needs to Disneyland. Mm. And she never had, you know, a gazillion downloads, but she had a private Facebook group. Cause when people found that podcast, they're like, Oh, I thought I was the only person going through that. And so she had this whole community. She actually ended up with a sponsor cause that sponsor specialized in transporting people with special needs. And so uh, it was one of those things that I, if you were to talk to her, she doesn't do it anymore. She's actually got some other things on her plate, but uh, just the fact to hear the phrase, you're not alone is so powerful to somebody who thinks they are. Hmm. And so that's to me uh, really awesome. There was a, a guy I had on my show. He does a show about chameleon breeding. Yes, that's right. Chameleon, he makes cages for them. And he actually was interesting. He has a, uh, uh, his, his audience has said, I will buy your cage, even though I could buy one from overseas, that would be much less. 
because you've given so much to the community and you're here every week and things like that. So again, it's this listener loyalty thing. But I was like, you do a show about what? He's like chameleon breeding. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. So uh, it's, yeah, it, it really is worth it. The community, especially. I've seen a couple different examples. Um, there's one podcast called Living with Herpes mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, for somebody to stand up and go, hi, I have herpes, you know, but uh, the host has a, a really super duper uh, private Facebook group because people in that situation have no place. To, you're not going to go talk to uncle Harry. Hey, uncle Harry, can I talk to you about herpes? No, that's just not going to work. So, uh, so these really small neat shows, it's uh, it's not the 10,000 downloads, but the people that find your show are going to be like, Oh my God. And the other thing they're going to do, they're going to find your latest episode and they're going to download your entire back catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met her at the PodFest networking event. Yeah. Uh, that was incredible. Which, by the way, the, that event that they put on with Chris and that whole team puts on is just phenomenal. If you are a storyteller and want to get to a, a podcast something, check out PodFest, man. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, that networking thing was, was cool. I met her. It was like, oh, this is a podcast that, like, talk about small audience. Yeah. Or focused. Not, maybe not small, but, like, super focused audience. That's, yeah. yeah. She was really nice. Um, so when in, in talking with you and, and in doing my research ahead of time, meeting you and knowing kind of what's going on here, um, I look at you as someone who's, who's making it in the world, right? Not necessarily made it to the point where like you can retire and be done by, by any means um, or that you would want to. But I look at you as somebody who's made it. Do you look around any, at any point and think, I, I think I'm doing all right? It's, it's something that is hard for me to fathom. Because I've always been like since day one, you know, my dad told me over and over, the world does not revolve around Dave Jackson. Cause I'd be like, it's not fair. Um, <laughs> and, and so I've always been told to, to be humble and it took me really at, at PodFest, you brought that up. I had so many people come up to me and just say, I listen to your show. Thank you so much that I kind of was like, okay, apparently I'm, I'm onto something. Apparently I'm helping people. Um, I was just at social media marketing world. It was kind of funny. I was walking down the hall while sessions were on. So there weren't many people in the hallway and I'm walking by and there's a a woman standing outside and she looks up at me and goes, Oh wow. And I literally like turn around. I'm like, what's Oh wow. What? And she goes, you're Dave Jackson. And I go, Oh yeah, I am. How's it going? And she's like, I listened to your show. I think it's awesome. And I'm like, I said, are you Oh wowing at me? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, so that was kind of weird for me. It was like, wow, I got an Oh wow. I'm like, so that in a way is like, okay, I, I must be, doing something okay. Uh, but on the other hand, I think we all want more listeners. We want more, you know, engagement, things like that. So I, I still feel like I got a long way to go. And do you think there's going to be a moment where, I mean, I, I assume there will be a moment that tops the, oh, wow. But yeah, what does that look like for you? Do you think, is that something different you think? Um, it'd be cool to be in the podcasters hall of fame. I think that would be a fun one now that we have one, you know, yeah. um, but even that, like, let's say that happens, because I've heard rumors that people are like, you know, probably in the next couple of years, you're going in. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. But that, so what do I do? I retire in two years? No. So then it's like, you just keep on going. So, um, yeah. So I'm not sure. I, I, my, uh, my ex-wife now asked me once, she said, like, when are you going to quit podcasting? Because I, I, at that time, I had gone from 8 million shows down to 4 million shows that I was <laughs> and she goes, well, when are you going to like stop? And I go, uh, I think the day after I die, I go, I can see me, you know, I've already had, a, I've had quite a few shows that I started and I, after, you know, five or six episodes, you're like, Oh, you know what? This is not what I thought it was going to be. Or in some cases I've just, I had two that I did for 10 years. I just, I've said all there is to say on this, I'm done. And then I find a new topic and I go on that. So I can just see me as long as I can talk. And I got a few marbles left in the bag. <laughs> um, yeah. just firing up the, you know, maybe I'm going to do a show now called, you know, 70 and sexy or something. Who knows? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when you're old, uh, and giving that insight. So yeah, I don't see myself quitting anytime soon. You got a few years before 70, I'm going to guess. So we'll, yeah. we'll wait for that though, but that'll yeah. be fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So what it, I'm going to guess the answer to this is probably podcasting, but if it's not podcasting, do you have a favorite platform to tell a story? I see. I love it's the one thing that podcasting doesn't have is instant feedback. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on a stage and I've got people laughing and I can now, now not only do I have tone of voice, but now I have body language. 
And so I can be really animated and jump up and down and be silly and stupid and, and make people laugh or cry or whatever. That to me is the icing on the cake. When I can see somebody laugh, when I can see somebody's face, um, their expression and things like that, that to me is like, okay, this is working. And now I know what worth with sometimes you'll put out an episode and you're like, I've had episodes that I think are just going to resonate and my audience is going to just, I'm going to have mountains of email coming in going, that was the best episode ever. And you just get crickets. Mm -hmm. And then you have other episodes that you're like, I'm not sure if this is, eh, uh, I'll go ahead and put it out. And then it was like, that was the best thing ever. So <laughs> when you're doing something live and you've got every tool in the shed, you've got tone of voice, you've got body language uh, and, and things like that. And you've got instant feedback that to me. And, and, that is, again, if we go back to energy, when you, when it's working and for me, if I get them laughing and, and understanding and things like that, and that's coming back to me, that's just going to jazz me up. And that just makes me go on. And it's just this, this awesome uh, snowball effect that uh, doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, you just get done. And you're like, yeah, that was cool. And, and I can see where like the Kevin Hart's of the world or others get addicted to that. It, it is incredible, isn't it? That live. Yeah. 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 All right, Dave. So this has been absolutely awesome. Um, great information for the storytellers. I don't want to take up your entire Sunday. So when we're recording this, um, I want to get to my, my big, this is my favorite question to ask. Okay. Um, if you could only tell one last story and be done storytelling, what would that story be? One last story. Uh, probably. So do you want me to actually tell the story? Whatever, however you want it. The floor is yours, man. If you just want to say it and be done or tell it. I love to yeah, hear it. I, I can, I can condense it down. I was, it was, I just remember it was March 26th. I should know the year, but I don't. Um, I'm dropping off my girlfriend who lived uh, in a not so great neighborhood and a young man outside uh, standing outside my, uh, what would be the, the passenger fender uh, advised that I should get out of the car. And I said, uh, I'm not getting out of the car. This is back when carjacking was first coming on. And uh, I said, no, no, man, I'm good. It's cool. And uh, he said, no, man, I really think you should get out of the car. And I looked at her and said, uh, I'm not getting out of the car and you're not getting out of the car. And so I had to back up and then pull out of the driveway. So I kind of do a, a T, if you can kind of think of that, like an upside down T. And I backed up and he pulled out a gun and shot it at my driver's side window. And it bounced off the window and went into the door. And I did not believe it. I, I thought he threw a brick or something at my car because I remember hearing a thud and I swear I heard glass shatter, but none did. Uh, I am going, I am, I'm getting out of Dodge like nobody's business. I'm running stoplights, I'm running red lights and I get into a, a little better part of town where I actually worked as a waiter because there was always a, uh, a policeman in the, the, the parking lot. And sure enough, there was. And so I pull up next to him and He's like, hey, can you roll your, your window down a second and or your window up? Because I roll it down to say, hey, can you look at my car? He says, roll your window back up. And he said, yeah, you have, a, you have a bullet hole in your door. It looks like it bounced off the window and went the door. And so I say that to people just to say, uh, that's kind of, that slightly turned me into a workaholic a little bit because I just realized that your number can get called anytime. And so, you know, be careful with, uh, I mean, you just went through a couple different funerals and such mm -hmm. that that'll give you some perspective. And so that's probably one of the ones that people, if I tell that story, they're like, dang. So uh, that's, that's probably the one. And I just say that to people like, look, you know, I, there's a, I saw a really cool shirt and it had the word family and then a line. And then the word underneath the line said everything. And at first I was like, what? And then it's, you look at it and you're like, Oh, I get it. Family over everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. ah, that's cool. So that's kind of my message of that. Uh, particular story yeah oh that's good I, I was waiting for like and i love the way you tell the story it's an you you are an effective storyteller um yeah. i kept waiting for like well he wasn't carjacking me but my oil was leaking and right. it was gonna blow up or something like i'm yeah. just picking this hollywood thing like yeah. wow that's good that's good stuff man uh so dave you are full of information great stories uh great tips obviously uh like i said a godfather you will be in that hall of fame soon i know you will um where can people learn from you when they want to connect? Where, where can they connect with you when they want to learn? Yeah, the main website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes, of course, and uh, a couple other things there too. So, um, yeah, man, I, I love it. I, I appreciate you being on. What uh, What's your next biggest podcast you think you want to start? I mean, you're doing the 
better Dave thing, but uh, yeah, else, that, that one is kind of like, that's on a, whenever I feel like doing it. Mm. Um, what I want to do, my goal for this year is to meet my weight goal and, and lose that weight loss show. Cause that one is in the category of like, Oh my God, do I have to do this again? Like, how many <laughs> times can I say eat less and exercise more? Right. But I've told myself that I can't quit that until I hit my goal weight. So that's kind of giving me inspiration to do that. And then what I really want to do, and it just, I would do it now, except there's only 24 hours in a day. Um, I want to do a hyper local show. Like I would love to do the Akron cast mm. where I interview local businesses and restaurants and uh, police blotters, anything like that to just to, I think it would be fun just to be super hyper niche. And then also I, I would love to then try to monetize that because in theory, some of those restaurants that I interview should then turn around and advertise on that show. Yeah, really? So, so that, that's one kind of format that I have not tried yet that I would like to do. Yeah, that'd be cool. A friend of mine, Scott, uh, Scotty Bud Melvin, uh, radio guy here in the Kalamazoo area, started a Kalamazoo podcast doing that kind of thing, talking to people in Kalamazoo that have made an impact on him and then the community beyond that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that hyper-local idea. So good yeah. luck. Start it. That'd be cool. I, I've got the domain. I've just, I've just got to get the time. There you go. Well, good luck with that. Well, thanks again, Dave. I appreciate your time today, man. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Thanks. So thank you to our guest, Dave Jackson, for being on the show today. Be sure to visit Dave online uh, and listen to his shows. You can find links down in the show notes below. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it all over the place from Twitter to LinkedIn, the Snapchat, Instagram, email it, text it, click the little share in Apple Podcasts and share it somewhere. Anywhere that you can send it out to other storytellers is always helpful. And uh, and also consider leaving us a review. In fact, Michael from Matawan uh, left a, a really good one for me. And I, I really appreciate this, Michael. Um, to me, this tells not has nothing to do with me. This has to do with the guests. And I so agree with you. Host Dan Moyle has assembled a great collection of storytellers for the launch of his new show. Great insights, much to learn. Can't wait for the next episode. So thanks, Michael. Obviously, an early review uh, from when we launched it. So hopefully you've stuck around and you're enjoying the other guests as well. And he's right. I've been blessed with amazing guests. I so appreciate that. Um, gosh, I've just, yeah. If nothing else, start a podcast just to talk to amazing people. There you go. Um, I also appreciate reviews. Uh, you can leave one yourself and listen to me to read it online, on air, whatever you want to call it. So there you go. That's the Storytellers Network uh, for this episode. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.